down to the white meat. Welcome to another episode of Down to the White Meat, the podcast. I am C. Anderson here with my lovely co-host, Nakia Lowry. Nakia, say hey to the people. Hey, people. All right, so this morning we have a very special guest, and we are talking about our history and the history of Black History Month. Blackity Black, y'all, it's February. So what we want to do is explore how this originated, What has it become and where it needs to go in order to sustain and empower the Black Collective? Today, we have Dr. Jovan McAllister, better known as Dr. Mack. She is a Howard University professor of political science and African-American studies. Dr. Mack, thank you so much for being here this morning. I am super happy to be on your show. Yes, honey. Tell us about yourself. Oh, there's so much to tell, but very quickly, I am a California native um, and I went to Howard in undergrad um, and loved it so much. I came back, uh, received my PhD in Howard. But between that time, I was a K-12 teacher. Well, we call it P-12 now. And so I was actually in one of the blackest districts in uh, America. But yes, I was a P-12 teacher and I have a love for all things political and all things historical. So, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to tell you guys, Jovan is uh, a historian. She actually helped me with my family tree and traced my uh, African-American side and um, my white side uh, back about 10 and five generations. Oh, we went back. We're going to have to talk about that later. (laughs) But... I'm just saying, I think it's a, we can talk genealogy, but yes, it is very helpful during this time to know where you come from. So yes, Nikia, what are your thoughts just kind of in general about Black History Month, the month of February? What are your thoughts? Well, as as far as Black, Black History Month, um, I would say my thoughts are, I want to really dive into some of the myths and um, mm-hmm. I think Dr. Uh, hit it on the head when she was talking about just really knowing who you are. And yeah. so I think that uh, Black History Month um, is a great time to really dive into um, getting to know thyself. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I yes. really would like for us to dive into some of these myths, even, you know, things that we, you know, just generalize about. Um, one of the things that uh, kind of uh, gets under my skin is when people say we are not uh, we are not our ancestors oh, in a derogatory yes. way. Right. Yes. Right. Because they say um, that uh, just to, because they assume, right, they have this idea that the people before us who fought for us, um, that they were, that they, number one, that they mm-hmm. didn't fight for us, right, that they were passive and that they were just kind of on the plantation or that they were right. submissive. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that they didn't. And it's like, yo, if you knew who your, if you really knew who your ancestors were, and I'm not even getting into the deep, the real part of that, but if you knew, because people sometimes feel like, um, oh, you know, my ancestors, they're just like folks that came before me and died. And it's like, yo, this is some powerful stuff. And so mm-hmm. to degrade the, the spiritual part of that and the, the reality of it is so ignorant, Right. You it wish is. you yeah. had. You wish you had the the the, the guts, okay, of your mm-hmm. ancestors. Because trust, you probably don't. The resiliency. The uh, honey. My favorite line that I say to people uh, is that my existence is resistance. Mm. The fact that I'm here. And that I was able to, not necessarily me, but the fact that my lineage, my ancestors were able to make it through enough for me to mm-hmm. literally be standing before you. And even them, they may not have been able to fight back physically, but right. you weren't going to take who they were, their essence, their spirit, and they were going to persevere. So, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that people, you know, because we'll, I know we'll get into this, but I want to say when we think about Black history, this is always a month. And, you know, generally speaking, when people get into slavery, mm-hmm. you know, very washed, a very washed out uh, version of it. I actually saw a video where a police chief was recently let go 
somewhere in the South. I can't remember where, probably Georgia. <laughs> but he made comments like, <laughs> <Georgia. What? That's laughs> he said, Florida. I'm like, oh, okay, I read about Florida. it. I remember. Oh, Florida. Okay, so, so here's what he said. He was like, he goes, yeah, because, uh, you know, that was 400 years ago. You know, I didn't own any slaves. My granddad is in own any slaves, oh. but then he. Well, wait a minute. But then he says, you know, we fed them and we clothed them and we made sure they had housing. You were so good. I wanted to see that man. <laughs> but wait a minute. There are history books, particularly the ones that circulate um, where we are in Alabama. I've seen them and read them with my own eyes. Yeah. That talk about especially on the level of elementary school and middle school mm-hmm. yes that ma'am. talk about slavery being indentured servitude number yes. one or it even or it being um like we we immigrated right it being Im- <laughs> immigration um or it being slaves had food and clothes and and houses oh, to yeah. live in they were so some, of the, some of the slaves mm-hmm. lived in the house with the plantation owner, not uh-huh, the master. Uh-huh. Okay. The plantation owner. All right. And one of the things that I, my introduction into what slavery was really like was mm-hmm. actually in my freshman, um, my freshman year, I think I had to take an African-American studies class and mm-hmm. I read the book about uh, Tucson. Oh, yeah. Actually, Howard has, well, he's now retired, but we had Tucson's papers and we had a political science professor by the name of Dr. Morris, who was, he speaks fluent French. Um, wow. Who, yeah, no, fluent French, one of the first black men to get a PhD in political science from the University of Chicago. Yes, University of Chicago. And he was charged with translating it from uh, French and Patois into uh-huh. English. Mm-hmm. That's what that little tidbit in there. Go ahead. His original papers. His wow, original wow, papers, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Um, yeah, so so in the book, it talks about the horror. I'm talking about tying up a slave's wrists and mm-hmm. ankles and tying them to horses and then the horses running in four different directions and that body being broken yeah. or stringing up a pregnant woman um, to the point where she loses her fetus or mm-hmm. burning them alive, eating them. Like these were the things, and these are just some of the horrors, the realities. There's a whole book about how they would eat slaves. Mm. A whole book dedicated to that. It's called yeah. like the Negro Delicacy. I can't remember the exact title, but the title is great. It's some sick stuff. And so mm-hmm. when you tell children, right, this next generation, that we we were fed and we lived in houses and we had clothes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and we and some sometimes we ate exactly what the what the plantation uh, owner ate, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is also not true. So yeah. food didn't exist if we did. <laughs> yeah. So so these are the kinds of things that you know really threaten the authenticity, uh, the authenticity and the reality of what the experience was. Yeah. And so. Javon, can you talk a little bit about the history of how Black History Month came to be? Oh, you said a mouthful. I'm sorry. I'm still digesting what you said because I think that you're um, you're absolutely correct. Um, what we now know and what we've always known is that is that to separate people from their history and or attempt to um, in their homeland and, and things of that nature that you'll forget. So because of that. I think that Carter G. Woodson, excuse me, Dr. Carter G. Woodson said to himself, I must do more. I have to do more so that people of African descent and even uh, other races and other groups would be able to learn what I already know in my heart. I know it sounds a little kooky, but there was a spiritual and an academic side to it. But anywho, so in what year was that? In 1929, he decided, which, you know, beyond people who were in that month, um, I think he wanted to do it earlier in the year to kind of give people time to digest the information. But he started Negro History Week. Um, In his mind, he thought the space between Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, because both are are heralded in the Black community, that particular week would be perfect to talk about how people of African descent, African-Americans, however you want to uh, call it, 
that those people had made huge contributions to America and that if we shared with the public the things that we've accomplished and the things that we are responsible for, in his mind, they could not continue to engage in the type of treatment that they did. Um, it doesn't become Black History Month until 1976 when President Ford decided that they, the United States as a whole um, would actually celebrate it. Before this period, there were sort of pockets throughout the country where people would observe the week but never thought to observe the month until uh, Dr. Carter G. Woodson decided, you know what, we should have the entire month. Um, he also cites that W.E.B. Du Bois, a very famous historian, uh, was also born in February. And so looking at all of the commemoration that we're already doing and putting that together and in some ways uh, going to Ford and asking Ford if it were possible, and he does, he, he relents. He says, yes, we'll do it the entire month. Let me pause here. <laughs> what I hear a lot of people doing unnecessarily is thinking somehow that being in February because it is shorter is a uh, sign that we are more oppressed than we are, is a sign that you know, the U.S. government, what they think of us. Um, and I'm always someone who says, you think too highly of yourself. And they look at me, <laughs> I hate this, I'm sorry. You think way too highly of yourself that individuals would want to give you something and not necessarily want to give you the quote unquote best. Um, I've always thought of it as you have a month to instill the history, the culture, the inventions, et cetera, Right. of black people and before this period, you know, I mean, we're not even gonna get into it, but before this period, we weren't necessarily considered individuals who could learn, we weren't considered individuals yeah. who could share the history or create things and, you know, it, it goes far. And so I applaud Carter Jewitson. I applaud him heavily. One, he was a Howard faculty and dean, of course, um, but I applaud him because he was trying in the Harlem Renaissance era toward the end um, to highlight Black people, which in 1929, I can't even imagine uh, how he would go about doing that. He was the uh, second PhD at Harvard. The first was, again, W.E.B. Du Bois. But I can't imagine how he, he pushed this without social media, without direct contact with individuals. And mm. Black people around the country in small pockets were wow. collecting the information and having intergenerational conversations about it. Wow. I'm glad that you said that, uh, Dr. Mack, when you said that without social media, because we, you know, mm -hmm. our orientation to the spreading of, of knowledge and information is very much connected to the internet. Absolutely. And so how difficult it must have been, you know, just 40 years ago to mm -hmm. corral and spread, you know, information and knowledge um, to, a, to a very specific group of people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You hit it right on the head. Wow. And so I think that we we also take that stuff for granted about the work, the vision, the idea, um, mm -hmm. the, the resistance that he must have faced, you know, until we go back and we read some of the older letters that a lot of our historians yes. um, and historical figures, um, you know, have access to and have, you know, written and, and left behind, you know, we forget that life wasn't always as it was today. I won't even say as yeah. easy as it was today, because I know life is difficult for us right. um, still in a lot of ways. But um, I think it's so important for us to recognize, yo, the stuff that, that we were doing 50, 60, 70, 100 years ago, that was backbreaking work. Absolutely. You know, it was difficult to plan a revolt or it was difficult to get all of the, the slaves at five different plantations to do, you know, the same thing at the same time <laughs> without being caught. You know, these were this wasn't I sent a text message and I said, hey, February, you know, February 1st is so-and-so. Yeah, no, you know, it's, um, it's, one thing no. you, you can include in that. I think that we think about African-Americans. No, we're not a monolith that term is loaded, but I think that we think about African-Americans that we were all from one particular group and this mm. group was that. And this yeah, group let's was talk this. about that. Let's yeah, yeah. Like, it yeah. wasn't like that. There's a certain level of connectedness they had to create, a certain level of, 
I don't know, like we share a future regardless of our past that they had to have. And so when people think about it as African-Americans or they think about it as black, just black people, these sort of blanketed terms for them, it makes me, it makes me not angry, but it makes me a little sad for them because they can't imagine how tough it was to communicate. They can't imagine how tough it was to retain their cultural histories and our identities while being in the collective. So mm. yeah, you must point that out. Mm. Wow. Um, you know, one of the things that I often get really down about, even when I think about our history, and this is just Black History Month, it could be any time, uh, especially around holidays for us, is because we, we are the only group in America who don't have direct ties to our history, not mm-hmm. our history as African-Americans, but our history as African descendants. Yeah. Um, and I went to, you know, get my nails and my, and my toes done. <laughs> and uh, the, the place where I go is uh, it's owned by a Vietnamese family, beautiful family, you know, never had any issues. Um, they're very kind. Um, but the thing that I noticed is that it's the parents work in the shop, the daughter and her husband mm-hmm. who are the owners. They have their kids in the shop. Both of their children, you know, speak Vietnamese and English. Um, and I'm just like, what would that be like for just as me, you and the key are having this conversation for us to not only be able to speak English, <laughs> yeah, but have mm-hmm. some other language our original language, yes. original language in common that came from Africa. Yeah, how no. be- like how amazing and like beautiful would that be? Um, and we don't have that, and that re- that breaks my heart. It's, 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 it's very it's so remnants of it. Very very well, small to to oh, of course. person. But you're of absolutely course. right. Having that language would change how information was transmitted. It would change the ability for our ancestors to actually, you know, revolt in ways that that they weren't able to early on. Right. Yeah, uh, actually, um, but we see some stuff. But you're absolutely correct. We can't we can't converse in the ways that would help us to progress quicker. If that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. Not only that, but mm-hmm. just to speak to our identity, like the strength yeah. of that. Yeah. No. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if people um, are able to, you know, even think about it, you know, in that way or from that perspective. But a lot of the things that traditions that we do have, they really did originate from slavery. And like you were saying, Javon, there are some things that some remnants I remember learning um, in a linguistics. Linguistics. Oh, God, I can't even talk to that. In a class, we know I think it might have been like a uh, like a speech anthropology class or something uh-huh. like that. And they were talking about um, some of the ways that Black people tend to put their words together, like, yes. like instead, instead of saying, I don't know, I don't know, mm-hmm. and how that, Absolutely. our ability to do things like that, like the things that we call Ebonics or the things that people go, what are you saying? What does that mean? It's, I don't know. What do you mean? I don't, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, that that's actually a remnant of our mm-hmm. vocal and speech uh, patterns and muscles in the way that you know and even the way that we you know yes right a yes. lot of people can't do that but that is something that comes from our you know our our speech uh you know in in our african dialect you were oh my god I was well, let's talk about the respectability <laughs> politics in <laughs> i was gonna say it but go ahead she's right <laughs> Like I do, I do it. I every chance I get, I'll be like, there was a whole article in the post. Yeah, yeah. Or or you like, you know, any of the like the clicks, you know, those things. Like people, people joke about that stuff. But Um, but it's real, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's it's dope. It's the clicking and it's the uh, teeth sucking. Yeah, both of those convey, depending upon the sound that you use, both convey information. You about to you about to make me shout on that one. She said <laughs> please no, but yes. Um and how we I don't know who said it, but how we construct the verb to be. Yeah. Um, 
it being past tense, present tense, or future. Um, there's a tense that isn't in the English language that we use. Uh, my favorite example is she be tripping. Mm-hmm. She was tripping in the past. She's tripping right now. And she might actually trip in the future. In the future. Hey. <laughs> and so understanding how language works, which you pointed that out, you can you can definitely see it. I think people engage uh, in naming their children, how they act at funerals. There's a lot in church. There are a lot of remnants of it, but we do have to preserve. Yes, we have to preserve some of it, which I'm grateful to Dr. Woodson. But it's not, yeah, it's not all lost. We just need to know what we're looking. I won't say and what it we're doesn't looking equate at, the less intelligence. Yes, right. there we go. Let's, let's there we go. There yes. we go. It doesn't equate to being less intelligent, and that's that is the lie right. that we've been told. Um, we had talked prior to getting getting on on air that uh, we were talking about uh, African spiritualism um, and, and Western African practices. And we were talking about, you know, just kind of remnants in everyday life. But Javon, when you just mentioned, you know, in church, right, the women wearing white and the drums and the, the spirit mm-hmm. that the drums invoke uh, in church or these. Uh, there was another example that you mentioned that w- that's directly from you know, from our African roots that we just kind of, things that we do all the time and we don't even know it. We don't even recognize it. And you can actually recognize it in mainstream culture, the way that Black culture in the U.S. is used to uh, create music like the blues, like jazz, how Black culture has been used to uh, infuse the mainstream culture with literally culture. (laughs) Mm. It's so simple, but I think that people take for granted the level of creativity, the spirituality, you know, the presence, both political and socially, of Black people as being right. something of happenstance. And it's, it really isn't. <laughs> you, it can be traced, and you should be able to embrace those things and not just say to yourself, Martin Luther King was wonderful. He was. Harriet Tubman was great. She was. But their ancestry, you share some of the practices even now. You share them then, um, and you need to know that you share them now so that you know you, <laughs> I'll say this, also say, we come from people. Mm. not just you know it seems very simplistic on the surface but Mm. coming from people means something yes that you're connected to something it means that you come from quote-unquote good stock even if it only was yes right but knowing that you are somebody because they were we are because Mm. right um but you're absolutely correct it's it can be seen we're fighting against it and i truly believe that black history month if done correctly can begin filling in those holes for people um, that makes them think that we have not accomplished, we have not done anything, we've always been this way, which is right. true. Mm, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, you know, I think in 2021, uh, people make the mistake of believing, because uh, I've, I've heard some Black people, I ain't going to say which ones, <laughs> But I've heard you know, think that, you know, well, we don't need historically black colleges and universities anymore. We don't need. Oh, wait a minute. We don't don't need. It's too early in the morning. (laughs) We don't need black this and black that. Honey, I need black everything. (laughs) Put that on the shirt. (laughs) I need. I need black everything because we okay so this is the thing that i want i want people to understand people yes we've been on this land it for 400 years right 16 uh 19 mm-hmm. 19 there we go last year the, mm-hmm. the first oh the first documented enslaved people but yes. they were black people here you know, african people here prior to but we won't get into that but for 400, 400 years, we have been here. We've been in this, in this country. <clears throat> However, we have a very different history, therefore a very different existence than Jewish men and women who immigrated um, to escape persecution in the Holocaust, right? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes I hear people, some Black people who clearly don't understand history, they'll say things like, I mean, but we've been here for 400 years and we still struggling. You got Jewish people that came over and they own a, the record in, you know, industry and the entertainment industry. And I'm like, OK, let's talk about that. Right. So mm-hmm. they came over seeking asylum and refuge. Right. From 
from persecution and horrific, uh, you know, just just atrocious uh, things that were happening um, across Europe, right? So they came here looking for a better life, and they have a proximity to whiteness. That's the first oh, thing. Yeah, number one. Right, so, so, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're white. So when we look at them and their progress, just from almost a hundred years ago, our orientation to America is completely opposite. Apples to oranges. Yep. It is apples to oranges. They can, they can walk into somewhere. And for the most part, unless they say I'm Jewish or they say I had, you know, I have a very uh, common Jewish last name. You're going to say that's a white man. That's a white woman. Yeah. Right. Okay. So phenotypically, the, the response to them is very different. So what I need for people is to understand, yeah, y'all, you know, y'all came over or other people who have sought refuge here in America from what was happening in there or what happened in their native um, land. No, no, no. We are still the bastards. Yeah. <laughs> The, the step and children. still been able to make stuff like create stuff in that space. It's yeah. It's yes. And I would say, you know, just especially because I know that the HBCU argument comes up so much. Yes. In comparison to, uh, you know, our public white institutions. Um, if we just look at, I'm bring up the psychology of it all. Maslow's hierarchy of need. Yes. And if you know, because we're all HBCU graduates, right? Yeah. And you yes. look, if you, and I'm, and of course, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, see if you, I had the the experience of of going to both. Oh, so yeah, I, I, did I too. got my undergrad from Temple. Okay. And then I got my master's from Lincoln University. Come on now. <laughs> so I got to experience both sides of things. <laughs> and there's just, it's not just about, the education. Mm. There's a spiritual component. Mm-hmm. There's Absolutely. a community component. Preach. There's a psychological component to it. Preach. Yeah. Yeah. That you're not going to get at that public white institution. Yeah. Absolutely. I tell my students all the time. I'm like, you think that this is normal. <laughs> you think that it's normal for you to be surrounded by, by individuals who are like uh, you. Oh my gosh. Adults, right? Adults who want yes. to see their success. And so you yeah. she won't let me do this because she gives you a college students. And I'm like, what are they trying to teach you? Why are we here? We're here for your literally your cultivation on all levels. Right. I can do this work. I can do it. You know, I said, well, that's fine. And you didn't come here for academic reasons. You came here for personal and or emotional reasons, and you need to be in an environment that nurtures you. And so it's a completely different experience, Nakia. You're absolutely correct. Mm. Yeah, I remember um, my mother intended for me to go to uh, American University mm. uh, in D.C. And I was like, <laughs> no, ma'am, <laughs> that's not where I want to be. And she kept saying, you know, where well, the world is not black. And I was like, well, my world is. And I want to be around people that look like me. And, and I remember being on the campus because um, at first I went to Morgan State for a semester and then I transferred um, to Howard. But I remember when I was at Howard and looking around and seeing black people who spoke French, yeah, black people. Um, there was a, a girl in my class. I'll never forget her. She was just so just her spirit was amazing. She she had come from Japan. Her mother was Japanese. Her father was African-American. And so she came, she didn't speak any English. She didn't speak, she had a translator. She would carry a, a pocket translator around with her. Wow. But she wanted, oh God, it's making him emotional. That's crazy. She wanted to come and she wanted to learn the other parts of her. And she wanted to do it in a place that surrounded her and immersed her mm-hmm. in black everything. That's the kind of experience and the kind of, of beauty and love mm-hmm. and acceptance that we find in spaces where we are. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, this is just, <clears throat> I've been teaching at Howard University for a very long time. I'm young, but still. Um, <clears throat> and I just try to get my students to see that the environment that they're in, again, is it's not normal. The environment that they're in reflects a lot uh, for people, their, their African ancestry. Um, mm. And that's literally whoever comes into the space because we've had uh, students from South Korea as early as uh, 1896, 1898, mm -hmm. yes. Um, Hispanic students, et cetera, uh, so that people can get the, the essence, if that makes sense, of mm -hmm. the African experience. Of course, we're in the West, of course, sir, you know, we have grades and things of that nature, but my students can text me. I pick people up if they need help or they'll call me. Mm, that community. Yes, yes. Yeah, that exactly what Nakia just said. It's this sense of community. Like I remember being on campus and not ever needing it. Like just, I had never been around, you know, and even though I went went to a, a black high school and kind of mm -hmm. had been around black people all my life living and growing up in DC, there was a different, it was different, mm -hmm. um, when you had people from all over the country that held the door for you, that were kind, that said, hey, I saw you having an issue with this concept. Would you like my notes? Or, um, you know, just that, that were willing to help and to give, and they yeah. were unselfish um, in a way that I had never seen our community come together. And it was, I, I was like, this is... <laughs> This is crazy. This is amazing. <laughs> it is. And so when people say things like, oh, I went to a PWI, right? And we had a Black Student Union. I'd be like, a Black Student Union? What? What's that? It, it is a Black is space. That? It's a Black space, but there's nothing like being in an environment where I ask my students yeah. to say, you know, do you want to be ancillary or do you want to be the center? You know, that's your choice for the next four years. And it may not seem like a lot to you because you've always been ancillary in spaces you were in. Yes. Um, you have faculty members, staff persons, uh, student workers. Everyone is working for your advancement. Um, an old church saying, an old black church saying is they're holding up the wall, meaning that we're at a prayer service or we're in some sort of spiritual service. And these people are literally fortifying everyone in the church. And so when you think about the students, when you think about the HBCUs, um, there are people holding up the wall for you and you may not understand it until you're gone, but understand that people are here to try to help you, to try to cultivate your grind. And there, there are very few spaces like it. And I think people who attend Black History Month celebrations, which of course aren't bad, or they go to Juneteenth celebrations, they, they feel that and they think it's wonderful. And I say to them, you could feel that every single day by having the experience where mm. you are centered in the college, our college life, the topics are surrounding, um, surrounding topics that you have picked. And so it's sort of a different sort of experience that, you know, I wish all Black students could have, not, be, not that PWIs are bad, but Right. There's something mm -hmm. about confidence, the worldview that is shaped completely different. One of the things that we talked about earlier was this idea that Black history is no longer needed. And when I say long, no longer needed, right, we've overcome racism. Everything is all good. And so what, what is the point of, 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 of teaching things from the past and, and revisiting the past and you can't move on if you can't, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And so I saw yesterday and I was so disturbed. I saw where a school in uh, some city in Ohio, I'm sorry, it wasn't Ohio, some city in Utah. Yeah. Um, Maria Montessori Academy was a school where the director sent out a notice to parents, letting them have the, uh, the option to opt out of Black History Month, giving them the option <laughs> oh, so boy. that their children don't have to learn Black history. And I was so disturbed, number one, because there were parents that actually did it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And number two, it was offered. And number three, we Black children can't opt out of oppression. Right. <laughs> 
that black were, children can't opt out of white supremacy and black children i wish a black child would say you know what i don't want to take u.s history american history so i'm gonna go over here they wouldn't graduate they wouldn't adv- advance to the next grade yeah but we are thoughts you know so little of that it's like oh oh yes it, it was almost like you know i don't know if you guys experienced this but growing up if you wanted to take sex education like your parents had the ability yes, to ma'am. say my child you know doesn't need to see this film strip or you know be a part of the sex education class so your parents had to sign a permission so they could opt you out i said wow 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 in wow, california wow. wasn't a choice wow you had it in middle snow you had it Actually, we had yeah. health classes every single level. Wow. And that, but, made, that makes the difference in terms of literally having the ability to understand why you needed it once you've gone out into the world. But you're right. absolutely correct. And the same thing is happening with those students. Yeah. You, your parents don't think you need to know, but they're also entering the world not knowing and they feel as though they're doing well so you can do well, not realizing. Yeah. Children's are children's awards. Children are entering the world, but the world is different. Yeah. And if you prepare your child in such a way to live like you did, um, we keep perpetuating the same sort of mindset. We keep perpetuating that, again, they're ancillary. You don't need to know about them to succeed. You don't need to acknowledge them to succeed. And so Mm. I think that sex education and even my example of California, when a district or it was a district and state, decide that the information is important, the parents either fall in line or there was a lot of protests initially, but they fell in line. They had to relinquish the idea that those who educate our children in the public space believe that this is important. And it's the same thing with black history. We need for individuals to say, this is important. important. These add to their their standards, but it's one class, but it's better than not having a class at all. Yeah. Um, because very few, um, very few black people, black parents take the time to sit down with their children. You know, we kind of will spout off facts and things mm-hmm. here and there, but very even fewer non-black families take the time to Absolutely. go through and teach and encourage. You know, maybe they're just teaching MLK had a dream and freed the slaves. You know, yeah. but very few will take the time to teach their children true history. Um, And so now when you're allowing people to opt out, it's just like, oh, well, it's not important. You have a couple of black friends and, you know, everybody's the same now, you know, there's no different, you know? So, yeah. So that's what's happening in 2021. Um, It's crazy. It really is. It's hard to comprehend. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I've been seeing in practice uh, Nakia, you maybe have seen some of this, is the the racial trauma and the racial harm uh, huh. that people are coming in with now. You know, it's nothing like I've seen in my last six, seven years of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's different. It's, you know, we just had the Capitol, the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> we just had our nation's Capital mm-hmm. stormed and a gallo erected and police officers killed. Yeah. And our house of you know representatives and offices and such decimated. We are in very Congress, different, very different times right now. Members right. of Congress were told um, that it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm. when they wanted to share their testimonies. And I call it a testimony because mm. uh, many were afraid that they would be killed. They were barricading themselves in offices. Uh-huh. And, you know, staff members were, you know, make, connecting and making the uh, the promise that, you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to save our lives if yeah. these individuals were to get in here. But no, you're you're absolutely correct. We can't fathom it, but I think individuals who don't understand that enslaved Africans were the ones that erected the Capitol and the White House. Mm. And I can go down the list. If you don't know that, then you you believe that it's yours. They didn't do mm. anything 
that was problematic. If it's mine, I have yeah. free government. I, I elect them there. This this belongs to me. This belongs to the public. Um, yeah. There are a few people in the public, but if you do that, there's no, there. people are not confused. Of course I can do that. Like it's right. mine. Like it belongs to me. Birthright. Right. Um, yeah. in, in education and curriculum, same difference. There, oh yes, there are black people in history. We choose to highlight specific people because their contributions were greater than some others. See, we didn't talk about this person. We didn't talk about that person. So you shouldn't be upset that we don't include uh, black icons or individuals in our curriculum. It's done because insert some reason that you've created via your, you know, mm-hmm. curriculum or state standards. Right. Yeah, so it's very right. easy to, you can say teach more and the reply to that literally can be, there's so many things we can teach it's unfortunate that we weren't able to get to those people, but we'll talk about MLK, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, maybe Frederick Douglass, and then we're done. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. It. It's it. That is correct. It's crazy. It really is. I encourage people to take your history into your own hands. Yeah. We have to. You've got I mean, to. You no, know, there's no way around it. We have to. If you really want to know thyself, I'm going to keep saying that. Mm-hmm. You really have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you, now I'm not going to lie. I am conflicted in some ways. I'm not that people should make it their business to, to learn their history. Um, I think that they should, in addition to look towards institutions that have sustained themselves for some more than a hundred years, et cetera, for these individuals to give them vetted information. Mm. And I say that, you know, when we talk about, well, they gave us the shortest month. That's someone who's interested to some degree, you know, their interest has been peaked, but that's someone who's believing false information. Yeah. And so you need to, yes. yeah, you've got to look to your elders. To, to some extent, you've got to look to organizations that have persisted so that you know that the information that you're studying is real and that you don't have to create issues or create uh, conflict where there's already enough conflict to go around. Right. Ah, Yeah. Um, there's a video of Morgan uh, Morgan Freeman uh, where he's in a, a 60 minute interview. With, yeah, uh, Jewish journalist, and he goes, "I don't think we should have a Black History Month." And then the, the guy's like, "Well, why?" And he's like, "He's like, do you have a white history?" He's like, "Is there a white history month?" And the guy was like, "No, uh, I'm Jewish, right?" So there he goes, and he separates himself from being white because he wants mm-hmm, to kind of mm-hmm. skirt the issue. But Morgan Freeman was just like, you know, it should be every month. Well, I agree. However due to what we have experienced in this life, we do need a month Mm -hmm. to highlight a very different and separate experience of a whole race of people in this country. Right. Yeah. It's such a sticky space that, you know, I don't don't believe Morgan Freeman was trying to separate himself, but I will say that a lot of artists will become elevated, if you will, um, into different, sections or classes than those who are experiencing blackness on the floor, if that makes sense, on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think you're equal, which I, I can't change that unless I have the time, but your money makes you feel like you have access that, you know, that you are equal in that access. Um, yep. And you forget about the individuals that don't have that type of access. The little, uh, yep. little Wayne is one of them. Uh, and so you may have meant one thing, but it, it comes. It comes off like it comes off based on the experience that the people had. So mm-hmm. your thought was, okay, yeah, we can do it all year. So he's saying, do it all year. Um, and then other people say, see, that's why I'm angry. Yeah, because we have this Black History Month is supposed to pacify us, you know. And so yeah. there are varying perspectives, but I don't want to. I'm not going to divorce the fact that he's well off and that his pers- his perspective is influenced by that. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, um, have so, we just we have to we have to be honest that we are. Well, let me throw this in here real quick. Um, that that our identities are intersectional in terms of oppression, not that I'm just a woman who's black and <laughs> intersectional identities. They've completely misunderstood. Uh, stand it. They haven't understood it. Excuse me. Um, but thinking about how various oppressions can change your view of the world. And yeah. is a, a great example of that. And he does, of course, doesn't see that, but he is. There's a line. Um, one of my favorite artists is Jadena. 
love him. Mm, yeah. And there's a line in his song, um, Black Magic Hour, I think that's the name of it, mm-hmm. where he says, <laughs> he refers to the concept of the magic Negro. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the next line is, that's why Uncle Morgan Freeman was never my hero. Mm. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave that right there. Yeah, that that, mm. that yeah. sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's a skit by Key and Peel. Mm-hmm. It's called the Magic Negro uh, skit, where mm-hmm. two two older right because the Magic Negro is essentially that older wise black character that enlightens the the protagonist. Uh, in the in the movie or in the story and, and, mm-hmm. and it helps them, you know, get to a better place and solve whatever the issue is, right? And so, you know, in this skit, there are two older men, I think they're both janitors or something, and, and they end up using their magic to fight each other because they want to be the person that helps the white. <laughs> it's me. Move out of my way. I have to do it because I, I gained importance <laughs> from being the one that did it. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's Black History Month, so we could, you know, talk about the way that we're portrayed in movies, and, and I'm so glad that finally we are getting more, um, more screen time and more yeah. uh, movies around sci-fi. Um, you know, the bl- black science, black magic, black supernatural ability. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you all saw that Lovecraft was snubbed at the Golden Globes. And, um, I, yeah. I read about Lovecraft because I'm, I'm a little bit of a wimp on the scary movie side, but <laughs> don't laugh at me. Um, I, read, I read a whole bunch, which is the same as watching <laughs> in my mind. Um, to see that they didn't receive any nods, I was so yeah. confused. Yeah. And so we're continue, you know, we're continue, continuously told that our stuff is not, uh, we're not mainstream. It's not important. It's not, you know, a story not only that's not important, but wrong. Oh, yes. Yeah. 1619, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there, you know, six, like 1619 is every day. Yeah. It's every day. It shows it up be every day project. in some way. The other project was called uh, 1776. Mm-hmm. As a counter to the mm-hmm. uh, narrative that's being told uh, in 1619, which is, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that you uh, would want to see the people who you worship as being people who engaged in atrocities. But mm-hmm. I'm not concerned about your feelings. I'm concerned about the truth, what actually happened, how we mm-hmm. actually got here, you know, right. the things that we had to endure. So you creating this flowery patriarch, uh, patriarchal, yes, it is. But so this this narrative that, you know, everyone was free, you know, you're American. So you should fall in line with this identity of being American yeah. um, and ignore everything that America, you know, is responsible for is it's it's astounding. It makes things like Black History Month and its implementation in every school, preferably, it makes it that more important. It really, it truly does. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. So what are some of the things that we can do to support, buttress, um, expand during this month? Well, it's hard. Um, I think that people tend to lean, lean towards things that are familiar. Uh Um, and take pride in those things um, and that's it Uh and then they'll hear you know because people on social media you know every you know day we're sharing something different Um, people are learning something different but the thing about curriculum if I can put my quote-unquote k-12 education hat on the thing about curriculum is that you want to give people content right so you want them to learn the content um, learning being, you know, you're, uh, not universal is kind of slightly different depending upon the group, but you want them to get the content, right? But you also want them to learn other skills so that they can find and, or research other content th- themselves. The problem with not having Black history included 
is that it sends a signal to the students. It's not important for you. It is not only not important for you to know the content, but it's also not important for you to use tools like comprehension, uh, students will be able to, et cetera. It's not important for you to engage those skills. So when you put those things together and you look at this group, um, and people are telling you, of course, uh, negative stereotypes about this group, it imprints upon the child that their history, their contributions uh-huh. aren't important. And better yet, they aren't important because what? Yeah. People can kill them, they get in an uproar, but they stay, they don't, they don't act out, right? So it creates this narrative about blackness that honestly, I hate to say it, it perpetuates this myth in US heck and all over the world that our contributions aren't important, our lives are not important, our voices are not important. Oh, hold on. We're going to give them the smallest month. Now let's see what they do. Yeah. Instead of saying we are intentionally keeping information about them out of our curriculum, we are intentionally targeting them, calling it we had reasonable, articulable uh, suspension, uh, or suspicion. We're doing things that lead to an outcome and not just that they are doing things. We're engaged in that as well which absolutely, I don't want to say it sucks, but it absolutely sucks. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they're not acknowledging the fact that there are real measurable things that you are doing to make sure that individuals don't know Black history, to make yeah. sure that these individuals are killed over not having a taillight. And if you don't acknowledge that, it's very easy to turn the blame on us. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of the, the scene in, um, have you all seen American Skin? Hmm. I think I read about it. <laughs> I have not seen that. Okay, so then I won't spoil it, but there's what's everything that, that on? Just... What pla- Where's that on, Steve? Uh, yeah. I think it's on Prime. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think That's it's on normal. Amazon Prime with uh, uh, Nate. I can't remember his last name, uh, but he wrote it and started it, and it follows him as a, as a father um, mm-hmm. who experiences great loss at the hands of the police because I don't want to give the movie away um, but then there's you know there's a moment where everything that Javon literally just says just like the, 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 the top blows off because of the pressure of that mm-hmm. and um, and so I watched the film when we watch films where you know these trauma films right for mm-hmm. black people um, I still haven't seen when they see us because I refuse to watch it. Mm, um, it. I, I wasn't, I'm usually angry after movies like this, but this movie, I wasn't angry. And I think it was for two reasons. The first reason was it was very true to form. It was very in your face. And when I say in your face, I mean in white people's face or, or people who think that police brutality and profiling isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. The second part was, we see this every day. So if I'm going to be angry now, I'm, I'm angry every day, right? Because every this is not day. new. This, this not is new. not new. Um, but the film, I think it was done, you have to, if you guys watch it and we can talk about it another time, but it was very well done in that it, there is no cut card. There is no buffer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's straight to the point of what is happening on so many levels, right? This system that we are in that continues to oppress, that continues to refuse access, that continues to harm and hurt us. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's still it's still in 2021. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, you were correct. It is on Amazon Prime. Okay. And there was, you know, I had a I didn't have a discussion, but I commented about um, feminism and how feminism uh, doesn't include black women. And there was a white woman that, that commented and she said, uh, oh no, I made it, yeah. And so she comments and she says, you know, well, you know, well, how? Well, I said, you know, I, I was like, it didn't include us in the suffrage, doesn't include us now, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't about to sit here and give anybody a history lesson because the same places I found that you can find it. Yeah. And I'm definitely, I'm not, I'm not in the business of educating oppressive people. So, mm-hmm. So she was like, well, you know, well, what things? I'm not familiar. And I was like, well, somebody just, you know, dropped a book above. Go ahead and read it. Oh, well, I can see you have issues. And, you know, and this is just, you know, too much for you to. And I was like, you damn right it is too much for me because it's not my job 
Mm-hmm. Educate you. you. Not at all. I, I get paid a rate <laughs> per hour. I'm on salary my job. So if, if you want to know <laughs> these very well-known facts in this history, you're going to have to look this up. Yeah. You're going to have right. to do your own research. You're going to have to come outside of yourself, your privilege and entitlement. And you're going to have to educate yourself. The fact that you believe that someone else should educate you is actually yeah. indicative she, of your, your privilege. Your privilege, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and she was, she was pissed. She was pissed. I was like, that's not my problem. Mm. Yeah, so... Well, you're absolutely correct. I, I educate, I call them children, they're young adults, but I educate people that are young adults that want to be educated on self. Um... I'm a, I was a classroom teacher. I was charged to be responsible for the children in my class and the kids as a whole. I'm, I'm not responsible that for an adult that is very much aware that they don't have the information and that they don't have access to the information, but they yeah. should Google it if you want to, that's up to you. But ignorance is not the responsibility of black people, which we've had to deal with that for a very long time. Um, and we're not responsible to educate you. Right. You are responsible to educate yourself. Well, I don't know where to look. Well, whatever skills you learned aren't actually servicing you well. They're not serving you well at all. And so you need to question why you don't have any Black history and why those skill, the skills that you learn, is it yeah. it's not us. We're not responsible. Yeah, we're not. We are not. So um, any closing remarks, Javon, Dr. Mack? <laughs> It's um, <laughs> and difficult, but um, I would honestly say that it starts with you acknowledging that you are not uh, equipped sometimes to teach yourself about your people, not in a negative, mm. way. not in a negative way. Because if I had a flood in my house, I, I, if I can't do it, it doesn't speak to you know my knowledge or ability. It speaks to experience, right? I, I'm not a bad person. Uh, because I can't fix plumbing in my house, I can call someone to do it. Um, I think people feel that their blackness sometimes makes them experts on being black. Black, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, and I tell people, I said, you know, that's experiential knowledge. You have knowledge from experience, but there's knowledge outside of that. Um, that's one. Uh, two, I want that people understood that you not knowing keeps the entire group and keeps you you know, oppressed in the space because knowing who you are um, is the moment where you realize that you don't have to accept certain treatment, where you Mm. realize that there were individuals who were not accepting certain treatment. Um, Mm. But that moment of knowing who you are is few far in between for people of African descent. And then finally, Mm. um, I would want people to not, you know, latch on to these I won't say they're conspiracy theories, but I would rather people not latch on to victimhood in the way that they do because it makes the, it gives them the excuse that they don't have to go to black people. They don't have to go to black institutions in order to learn. Mm-hmm. They gave us the shortest month. I'm not doing black history. Instead saying, let me research, which right. is sparingly, but let me research what black history is, what it was, and let me talk about what I can do. So for example, and I'm, I'm done, um, there's a Black History Month challenge uh, by Because We Are, We Are Because of Them, excuse me. Um, and it has a lot to do at least two days ago, maybe two or three days ago, they asked people to post about uh-huh. their ancestors, yeah. Um, and I noticed in this group, as I'm reading this thread, there were hundreds and hundreds of posts. And as I'm reading this thread, there are a number of individuals who have fought against, you know, their oppression, who have been the first, who, you know, have done all these things. And I couldn't help but think to myself, you are a Black history, literally everyone on the thread. And uh-huh. how do people outside of this, we are in a group, how do people outside of this group understand what that means? Right. Why were we able to know it and be proud of it and push ourselves through because of it? And why don't they know these things? Because you know, Frederick Douglass is too far removed from me, but there was somebody in our uh, our group that said, I'm a descendant of him. It yeah. made it real uh-huh. and tangible to the yes. people who were reading it. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm descendant of a, of a Garbyite and someone who was in 
U.S. Congress, and he was instrumental in the finding of the Congressional Black Caucus. He actually, the group he was in, turned into the Congressional Black Caucus, and he was the first chair. And more than one person said to me, oh, that makes perfect sense. It's in your blood. I'm a yeah. PhD in political science. And so making the connection that people have made history, and then his grandfather was a justice of the peace right after, uh, during Reconstruction. And so tying that lineage together and knowing that these individuals were able to achieve and, and do things that I couldn't imagine. Yeah. I'm stunned and I'm, I'm, I'm motivated, you know? So understanding that black history is everyone. I'm black history is American history. Understanding there are groups that you can go to who will educate you, especially in the age of social media, but also understanding that there's different types of knowledge. There's ex experiential knowledge, and then there's knowledge that comes from studying, reading, hearing, et cetera. All of those things coupled, I think that people could, how do I say this? That people could truly show up in the world yeah. in a way that they've never been able to show up because they've taken this, inter this they've internalized a view that somehow if I'm not Martin Luther King or if I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. storage under truth, if I'm not, you mm -hmm. know, Frank Douglas, then I'm not. Instead of saying, yeah. you know, I'm not that person, but I, how do you say this? I take everything that they accomplished and I use that. I feel that I am that and I can move forward. Yeah. yeah. Take it and move forward. Take it and move forward. Be proud of it. You know, read yeah. it and know it. And that there's nothing that separates you, you know, particularly Frederick Douglass. He taught himself how to read based on little lessons that he was able to remember from an overseer's son whom he was playing with for years. Yeah. And so yeah. knowing that someone who's never been in the classroom in the traditional sense can take that step, that should motivate you to get up and want to do something else, right? Want to be yeah. something else in the world. And so yeah. you know, we've got to connect ourselves to those experiences, not, not in the way of, oh, that's wonderful to hear, but in the way that says, oh, there's the map, there's the road. And that's a part of me. Mm -hmm. it's a yeah, part that's of a part of me. I am. Yeah, absolutely. It's a self-actualization piece again. Yeah, yes. it really, it really is. Like you know, yes. I'm not a psychologist, <laughs> but you know, I want people to be able to have moments of self actualization where they get that I am because they are, or they were, yep. or whatever you want to say it. But having that mm -hmm. moment literally changes how you interact in this society. It does. And how do we it know really that's does. true? Yep. Yeah. Look at HBCU graduates. Yep. Yep. Look at yep. look how people treat HBCUs and how people treat HBCU graduates. Our Madam Vice President is a graduate of my department, not just my school, my actual department at Howard University. That changes how I show up in the world. I just realized a cousin, you know, graduated from Howard the year I was born. It changes how I show up in the world. And so helping people to have those moments because they're connected, I think would change our lives. I agree. I agree. Nakia, do you have any closing words? Yes, I would. In 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 going off of her summary, I would say representation matters. Yeah, I say that what I got from what Doc um, just stated is to be intentional, be intentional about moving beyond what you currently know. We're we're all you know we're all sponges of knowledge or can be, mm -hmm. and to just increase that. Mm. And internalize that, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, as a means to you know, you know, forming and continuing to grow in that self actualization because it does it, it does make a difference of how you show up in the world. Yes, yes, I it agree. Really does. Yeah, I know. Um, the one thing I would say is is surround yourself with who you are. Um, mm -hmm. I walked into Target on yesterday, and you know, Target has uh, Black History Month displays as soon as you walk in the door. Mm -hmm. And yes, we know that there is some some commercialization in that. However, it felt really good to walk into a store and to see me. Yes, absolutely. It just felt good. You know, I didn't have to go search. I wasn't online at a specialty store or a store that, you know, caters to me. Right. I was in a, in a, a mainstream store yeah and right in front of me were children's books books for mm. you know every um age group uh makeup cosmetic 
you know, products with the black owners' pictures next to it. Like it just felt good. It felt good to yeah. say, "Oh, I could buy these shirts, these books, these cosmetics, these hair products." And guess what? Everything. They're all black owned. <laughs> all black everything. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't all know when it's gonna come back. You know, uh, hello. Mm-hmm. Let me support it now. Because, you know, there'll be some sort of reason to make sure that, you know, Target doesn't do it again or yeah. et cetera. So absolutely. Yeah. We saw what happened happened with Honeypot. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just want to encourage everybody, like, to just embrace who you are. Find, you know, ask the elders in your family, the oldest person in your family, or call them. Find out. Just find out something that you did not know about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Oh, J- Javon, it's thank you so true. much yes. for giving us your oh, time. Thank you for song. allowing me to jump in this conversation. You ladies are, whew, the things that you all tackle are uh, mountain, uh, literally an insurmountable mountain for most people. But yeah, I respect the fact that you guys are having those, you know, tough conversations. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. That's what we do because we like to get down to the white meat. So let's do Amen. it. Amen. <laughs> We like to do it. So thank you all for, for listening. Uh, you can find Dr. Mack's contact information and more about her in the description if you'd like to reach out and contact her. Otherwise, we will see you back here as usual. Same place, different topic, but as always, we'll be getting down to the white meat. Mm-hmm.